0: To the matchup here, Number Oldswords for Sports Game and everything in between. I am your host, Jake Patterson, and it's probably gonna be a little bit shorter of a show today, cause this weekend there was literally just a Valorant tournament in terms of actual esports. And the NBA and NHL are just kinda hammering out the last minute details of the return deal, so there's not too much to talk about there, because it's the big news with that has already happened. Baseball's being dumb. But I'll I'll get I'll get into that. I'll get into the Twitch Rifles Valorant Tournament and what I thought of it. Mostly the finals. And one other thing. I've almost done a disservice to my own brand by not talking about this since it blew up. Because for those of you who are unaware... Uh, Barstool Sports has just like the rest of the sports media industry been hit pretty hard by the fact that sports haven't played in three months (laughs) anywhere in the world, other than like Korean baseball, which in Eastern time first pitches at 1am. So one of Barstool's many personalities, big cat. Jumped on Twitch and started playing NCAA football 14 in dynasty mode. And he created an, an alter ego, uh, coach Gus Duggerton, who started out, I believe, at Toledo and just worked his way, an offensive coordinator at Toledo, and worked his way through the ranks. Uh, he never stayed at a single job more than a year. And as of recording this, that track record has not changed. (laughs) He finally got his first head coaching job as the head coach of the University of Tennessee Volunteers. And he took that job and took the Vols to an undefeated season and a spot in the national championship game because... NCAA football 14 does not have the college football playoff in it. It's still the BCS. So even in 2017, he went to the BCS. He went to the, he went to the BCS national championship game against Virginia tech, which also is a complete work of fiction, but for A large majority of this segment, I am going to talk about the results of this game as if it were real. Just fair warning, I am not saying Virginia Tech is the actual 2017 national champion like they are. Uh, That title does definitively belong to Clemson, and I don't care what anyone from UCF has to say about that. The, The 2017 national championship definitively belongs to the Clemson Tigers. But in this world of Coach Dougs, it belongs to the Virginia Tech Hokies. So I'm going to talk about it in that way in three, two, one. So what an absolute choke job by Coach Dougs and Tennessee. And the coaching staff has taken full blame for it. They do not anyone want anyone blaming quarterback Caleb Presley and his six interceptions. They don't want anyone blaming running back JoJo Smalls for not getting the job done. They don't want anyone blaming Rico Burgerton. They don't want anyone blaming any of the players. They want it to fall squarely on Coach Duggs and his coaching staff. And in my opinion, it does. Because throwing six interceptions against Virginia Tech's defense just, so, just shows a general lack of... Game preparation. Coach Duggs just ate one too many donuts on his way to the Rose Bowl this year. And... He got stomped in front of an absolutely massive audience. One of the the largest in-person attendance the Rose Bowl has ever seen. And he got absolutely stomped. Not to mention the few million people who were watching on tv it was an absolute embarrassment to the tennessee football program and if his track record is to be believed coach Doug's is probably on his way out the door everyone knows since he burst onto the scene his goal has been to go to wisconsin if wisconsin comes calling he's out on rocky top I mean, Toledo, he was only there for a year. FSU, he was only there a year. USC, only there a year. Texas Tech, only there a year. Tennessee, he's only going to be there for one year. I'm sorry, Vols fans, but he's gone. <laughs> that that graphic that Virginia Tech football tweeted was incredible. The the pack your bags, Doug with just him with all the, the big box of Tennessee stuff, comedy gold. Like, quality meme right there virginia tech football i i applaud you on that uh, that is a quality meme right there and i mean he's going to make he's going to make his announcement as i'm recording this later tonight when you're listening to this you will know where coach duggs is heading if he decided to stick around to tennessee for one more year or if he went out for the greener pastures of Madison, Wisconsin. I wouldn't necessarily consider Madison, Wisconsin an upgrade over Knoxville, Tennessee, just in terms of places to live, because I've never been to Wisconsin, but I have been to Tennessee multiple times, and it is very beautiful there. And the weather's pretty nice overall. So I couldn't imagine going to Wisconsin, where for the entire second half of football season, there's a pretty good chance it'll just randomly start snowing. So whatever decision Coach Duggs makes, I will recap that on Thursday's show, but If I'm making my prediction right now, and I'm going to timestamp the fact that I do pre-record this show, which everyone knows, but it is 4.17 in the afternoon when I'm recording this. So by the time you hear this episode, Coach Duggs will have already made his decision. But my prediction right now is that he gets an offer from Wisconsin and he takes it and he's gone. And he's going to, and Wisconsin will be the first school he stays at for more than a year. But that, that right there is my prediction. And I think most people would agree with me, except for maybe Tennessee fans who have proven to be somewhat delusional. All right, back into reality. Um, This is absolutely insane. (laughs) This is NCAA football 14. This is a six-year-old game. This game is six years old. They haven't made a... And he's only playing 14 because they haven't made a new one in six years. (laughs) But this guy comes up with this character, Coach Duggs. This just fat, bald guy who looks suspiciously like Andy Reid. Like... Let's be honest, this character is clearly based on Andy Reid. (laughs) And... Plays through Dynasty mode with him. And just comes up with ridiculous names for all his players. I mean, (laughs) JoJo Smalls, Rico Burgerton, Caleb Presley's a real guy who works at Barstool that Big Cat just named his quarterback after. And... I can't believe the way this is just totally blown up. I legitimately can't believe the way this is totally blown up. Like me saying the largest crowd the Rose Bowl has ever seen. Yeah, it was technically, if everyone who was watching on Twitch was at the Rose Bowl, over 10,000 people wouldn't have had seats. The Rose Bowl's capacity is just a hair over 90,000. A hundred and twenty thousand people were watching that game on Twitch. What? (laughs) It's, it's more people than could actually fit in the Rose Bowl were watching that game on Twitch. The, the finals of... The Valorant launch tournament had 50,000 viewers on the main Twitch Rivals account. What? So the finals of a brand new game with two actual esports teams. That were very, very good. Those finals were really good. I watched them. They were really good. I mean, game one was a blowout. Game two was a blowout, but it was a blowout for both teams. So that led to a very, very good game three. We'll get into that next segment. But he more than doubled up those viewers playing NCAA football 14 on Twitch, playing as a head coach who is clearly just an homage to Andy Reid. With a ridiculous name. (laughs) I. I love the internet. I love the fact that. It's completely insane to me. But at the same time. I love it. The tagline of this show. Your number one source for sports gaming and everything in between. This is sports and gaming. Like. This isn't even esports. This is sports and gaming smashed together into one. And. It's been incredible. Like. The fact that the teams who are involved in all the Gus Duggs games, their real Twitter accounts are getting involved. Heck, Patrick Mahomes, Super Bowl champion Patrick Mahomes, was congratulating Coach Duggs on an incredible run at Texas Tech. His his actual alma mater. What what even is twenty twenty? This has been one of my favorite parts of this whole sports hiatus thing is the this one dude who can't even talk that loud because he has a small child sleeping in his house. So he has to whisper into his mic on Twitch, but you can tell he's still getting really angry. Like he's celebrating, but he's whisper yelling. Because he can't get too loud or he'll wake up the baby. And it's just completely ridiculous. He's got people yelling at him on Twitch for not knowing how to play and sticking to like four offensive plays total, which he does do that. Let's be real here. Uh, I think he has five now, but for the most part, he, uh, he knows what works and he sticks to it. And he's just got people trolling him in Twitch chat saying, hey, your mic's not working. And he actually believes them. Like, It is the most ridiculous thing, and the fact that the entire college football world has gotten on board with it. Like, Tennessee football was tweeting about it. Whichever school ends up with Coach Duggs is probably going to tweet about it later tonight. Like, if, if he sticks around to Tennessee, if he goes to Wisconsin, if he goes anywhere else, like, that team's official Twitter account is going to tweet about it. It's a 6-year-old game and it's completely blown up. I can't believe it. It took over Twitch last night. But I love it. I think it's a- it's it's absolutely insane, but that's what I love about the internet and Twitch and sports fans in general. Like it is absolutely insane. If he could actually figure out how to do it I want to see Scott Van Pelt streaming it on Twitch too cuz he's admitted to playing dynasty mode with with University of Maryland. And he's also admitted to uh, juicing his player stats, which uh, Big Cat has vehemently denied, but a lot of people think he has he has also done. But this is maybe one of the weirdest stories Of 2020. It'll probably be the weirdest story of 2020's actual college football season. Because even after the season starts, he can't stop this thing. Like it's it's been like one of the biggest stories of the first half of the year. And by the time college football season starts, everyone's gonna be back in the Barstool office. So you can get even more insane because you can pack everyone in the Twitch room and have like big watch parties for it. It's going to be nuts. And I legitimately can't wait. I think I think when they do have the big watch party for any national championship game that Coach Duggs is playing in, like they're going to do it on a random Thursday or Friday night when nothing else is on. Because it's going to be in that weird kind of nebulous time where The sports who resumed have finished their seasons and normally they would be back, but they're now going to start in December. So it's going to be that weird time in like mid-October where only college football and the NFL are happening. Like, look forward to that point in the year. That's going to be weird. (laughs) Because instead of starting, the NBA and the NHL will have just finished. And they're still a couple months out from starting again. (laughs) Like, that's going to be weird. But that's what I've got for this ridiculous college football story that, like I said, I have kind of done a disservice to my brand by not covering previously. Even though it's just one guy on Twitch, but it's gotten so much bigger than that. (laughs) But yeah i'll i'll have uh my reaction to his coaching decision on friday's show but that's what i've got for this kind of college football segment up next we'll get back into esports in the more common use of that term and talk about what i consider to be a very good twitch rivals valorant launch tournament so we'll get into that up next here on the mashup So I did already mention the Twitch Rivals tournament in the previous segment, talking about the insanity that is Big Cat getting 120,000 viewers playing NCAA Football 14, while the main Twitch Rivals channel got 50,000 viewers for a tournament final. That was honestly really good. You got to see T1 absolutely stomp TSM in the first game. TSM absolutely stomp TSM in the second game. And then the third game was legitimately competitive. And I got to say, that TSM team really surprised me. I knew it was mostly their pro team, but I thought with, with Myth on the team, I was like, well, they're... He's... A Fortnite player. He's really good at Fortnite. But it's such a different game. It's third person, not first. Your primary skill is actually building rather than movement, aim, ability usage, timing. Everything that goes into playing Valorant. And you have to think a lot differently about how you play that game. And sure... In the finals, he bottom-fragged. You know who bottom-fragged for T1? Skadoodle. Guy who's won a major in CS and has won a whole lot of other championships outside of majors. Like, they called him Skedaddy during his CS days for a reason. And I think people are going to keep calling him that in the first couple years of Valorant. Because... Even though he bottom-fragged, dude went off. And, I mean, the rest of that T1 team is just absolutely ridiculous. Like, that team isn't fair. (laughs) Brax, AZK, Skadoodle, Food, Crashies. Like, that is just a gross team. That is a grossly overpowered team. Because, really, you could put two total scrubs in the place of Food and Crashies and that team would probably still win. You could put what, probably like like gold tier players in the place of uh in the place of Food and Crashies who are not gold tier by the way. They're just lesser known than their other three teammates. Like you could put two just like random like gold or diamond level players. In that, in that lineup. And boom. They still win. It's probably closer. And that version of the team might have lost to TSM. Because TSM was playing very well in the finals too. Like sure. Like I said. Myth bottom fragged. But if you watched. He was contributing. To his teammates kills. Without it registering on the scoreboard. Because his... Paranoia's in his dark covers, Omen's flash and his smoke were spot on, like the entire tournament. He really put in the work to learn how to play Omen because he knew he was playing with a team that had better aim than him. And if they were going to do anything in this tournament, he was going to play against a team that had better aim than him, which let's be honest, is exactly what happened because T1 still won the thing. And let's be real. They're the best Valorant team in NA. They they didn't win their own tournament. But I contribute that partially to it not being the full five-man roster. And never playing together before. Like, ever. And that's why they lost to G, who is a team who's been playing together for a few years. Because look at the results of the Twitch Rivals tournament. Four of those five G guys entered and they were playing with Hiko because none of them stream on Twitch enough to really get a captain spot in Twitch Rivals. So Hiko just picked up the four guys from G who he could play with. And, I mean, they're French Canadians. Let's be honest. It did not go well. <laughs> They went 0 and three. Now I don't think that says anything about what the Hundred Thieves team will eventually be once it's built around Hiko, and I don't think that says anything about Gen G because they were trying to do comms in English so Hiko could understand what they were saying. And I don't know if you've ever tried to speak a second language when you're stressed. But it's really difficult. Like, you could be totally fluent in another language. You could be perfectly bilingual. You are going to default to your native in stressful situations. Like, I was borderline, like, very close to fluent in Spanish many years ago. And I have lost it through disuse like i i don't claim to really be able to speak spanish anymore and I, I still remember a few things but for the most part i can't speak spanish anymore i could hold a very simple conversation in spanish at that time of my life but when i started to get stressed i would just switch back to english not even really realizing it but it's easier for your brain to process that way. And I would never have tried to do callouts in any video game in Spanish. That would have gone horribly. So I can see where the struggle came for the Gen G guys trying to do comms in English to accommodate their fifth teammate, who, as far as I know, only speaks English. Or at least if he does speak more than English, he doesn't speak French. And for the most part, I could hear their comms. Like they were, they were for the most part, just like defaulting to French. And that's nothing against them. Like they're a team when they're a full team, all five of them, they're all French Canadians. Like. French is the first language for that entire roster. So, of course they're going to do comms in French. But they ended up teaming with an English speaker, and it caused problems, and they went 0-3. So, what I'm saying with that is... T1 is the best team in NA now that all five of them are together. And as we start to roll into... The big boy tournaments, like either later this year or early next year, they're going to do a lot of damage in North America. And when it comes time to play European teams or Korean teams or Japanese teams or Chinese teams, whenever the game gets approved in China, as far as I know, the game still hasn't been approved for release in China, but orgs have already signed rosters and organized the tournament. Because they know the game's probably going to get approved. It just takes forever. Because China. And. I'm. Like I've said many times on this show before. I'm really excited for. The future of this game. But the tournament itself. Showed at least me. A few more things. One. Split really sucks. And I'm glad Ascent is in the game now because it makes it less likely that Split will be played in competitive matches. Because even with the changes, and the changes did make it better, it's still the worst map in the game. It is my least favorite map in the game by far. Because my, my last time playing Valorant, the last time I played Valorant before recording this... I was doing a 10-man with some people from the Liberty Esports Discord server. They are all better than me. On Split, I got like two kills. (laughs) And I died almost 20 times. It was really bad. On Ascent, I still went very negative... But it was nowhere near as negative, and I got seven kills. So and I changed nothing about my playstyle. And that game on Ascent, my audio was whacked out. Like my audio was not working. I was connected to the Discord the Discord call, but I could not hear anything. I could not hear any of my teammates talking to me, even though I could see the little circles flashing in Discord. So I knew they were talking. I just couldn't hear them. And I, and I legitimately think that has something to do with split because split sucks. So I'm glad it's not seeing as much professional play and it's probably going to see less and less as new maps come out because like this map is going to be Valorant's answer to Nuke in CSGO. Like Nuke is one of the worst maps. Nuke is the worst map in CSGO the entire pro scene absolutely hates it. And any CSGO player I've talked to of any level absolutely hates Nuke. The worst map in the game. I think Valorant is or Valorant is going to have a similar map with Split. Because pro teams always ban it. No one ever wants to play it in casual games. Like, that map sucks. <laughs> and I'm glad Ascent has, uh, has replaced it. And... Riot announced that Ascent isn't the preferred map choice anymore, so you won't have to play eight games in a row on on Ascent in matchmaking, so yay. But I I do think Ascent is a really good map. Bind is probably still my favorite, though. Bind is probably my favorite map in the game, just because those teleporters are really fun and they lead to a lot of uh, creative tricks. But that's one thing. The other thing is that Jet's a decent operator. Jet can't really do... Jet is considered a pretty low tier agent. But if you know how to play her right and you're good with the operator, you will go pretty far as a Jet player. <laughs> because Wardell did that a lot uh, during... The tournament, And he switched off Jet in the finals. And he switched to Sova. And while I got them a few round wins because of all the ability to gather information. Like, you could tell he was playing out of position. And Sova's a good opper too. But if you're used to running that gun with Jet, it's going to feel a lot different. And Sova plays completely differently from Jet. Because... Other, as far as my opinion, other than his recon arrows, which are easy to avoid anyway, his kit's kind of useless unless you're just ridiculously good at using it. And I think it takes just way too much time to grind to get used to that kit because his ult's super telegraphed and it's really easy to avoid if you know what you're doing. His shock darts are completely useless. The drone, you can get a little bit of information out of, but a lot of times it just gets blown up before it can really be too much help. And his Recon Arrow is actually pretty good, but if you, know, if you see it land and you know the map layout, you can find ways to avoid it. So that's one of the other things. And the big one that I don't think anyone is surprised by, Viper sucks. <laughs> there are 11 different playable agents in the game right now. All of them in NA Twitch, got, NA Twitch Rivals got picked at least 10 times. Except for Viper, who was picked never. <laughs> Across... Four different groups. 16 different teams. So 16 different teams of five. That is a grand total of 80 players. In, what, three games per group? So that's 12 games. No, six games per group. So that's 24 games plus two more for the semis and... Three for the championships. So a, a grand total of 29 games. Viper was never picked. <laughs> that says a lot about her competitive viability going forward. Because I see it this way needing an extra resource to use her two primary abilities, really the smokes and the toxic orb and toxic screen. Like it's just not worth it. You not only have to spend credits to buy them, you also have to worry about her toxin levels. And I mean, her alt's pretty good. Her alt's pretty good. I'll give her that. But a lot of people have not figured out how to truly get the most of it yet, and I haven't either. Like No one has. And I think that may come eventually. But her other stuff is just so... Not good. Like... Her snake bite is essentially a molotov. It's just skin to look like poison. Or acid. Phoenix's is much better... Brimstone's is also a lot better. Everyone's smokes are better than hers. Phoenix's wall is better than hers. Sage's wall is definitely better than hers. Because Phoenix's wall heals him. Phoenix's Molotov heals him. She just doesn't take damage from her snake bite and her toxic screen. So and then she doesn't have a flash. Her smoke isn't very good and her alt is super situational. Yeah, it's and unless she gets a big buff like her her snake bite also slows. I can't take credit for that. Hiko suggested it on his stream. Like if his snake if her snake bite were to also slow, I think it would improve her pick rate. But with that with that toxin level thing, where you have to keep turning her abilities off, I mean, sure they last the entire game, but you have to constantly manage that toxin level. Like, I don't see her pick rate ever getting really high, ever. You just think about it: sixteen teams didn't pick her once over the course of a of a weekend long tournament. So no, I don't I don't see her pick rate improving, especially as they add new agents, because Riot's pretty guilty of rampant power creep. <laughs> if you've ever played League of Legends, you know this. Like think about the launch characters that came out in League of Legends and think about some of the more recent characters. I I'm, I know one who's jumping out to me big time. Um Silas. <laughs> like Dude had a slow, a pounce that also healed him. He can steal people's ultimates. Like, Silas is definitive proof that Riot is very guilty of power creep. (laughs) Like, Riot is incredibly guilty of power creeping their games like crazy. So, as power creep starts to kick in in Valorant, I don't think it'll ever have a cast that big. Like Riot's planning to release like a new champion for every role every year from now on for League of Legends. I don't think you're going to see that kind of release rate in Valorant. But you're going to see ability overlap and you're going to see power creep. So that's just going to push Viper further and further down unless they buff the heck out of her. Which I don't see them doing because a troop off the Viper would be like take that weird toxin level thing away and just have her her smoke in her wall fade. Like that would be the main way to buffer and I don't see them doing that ever. So yeah, she's going to get pushed really far down the uh, the pick rate charts as this game's life cycle continues. But one one last thing I wanted to hit on in the Twitch Rivals tournament is uh, I got to give credit to Team Austin Creed, the team of wrestlers who uh, impressively lost all three of their group stage games, thirteen to nothing. I knew it was possible. I didn't think it would happen in a Twitch Rivals tournament. It did happen to the league team in the ESPN showcase, which eventually caused them to forfeit, but it happened in Twitch Rivals three times. And I got to give them props for still having fun with it because on match point, every single game, they challenged the other team to a knife fight. Which they also lost because 13-0. And they just did it to have fun. Like, they got stomped on. They got totally stomped on. But given the teams they were up against, that's not too much of a surprise. Like, they, were, Team Mendo was supposed to have Tim the Tatman on it. Tim couldn't make it. So they replaced him with Stewie 2K. Because that's fair to this team of wrestlers and one content creator. <laughs> like, of course they got stomped. Or Team B-Dans. Like, she's dating Shroud. Meaning she's more than likely friends with all of his friends. And she's really good in her own right, too. Like... Yeah, it that was... That was the creator side of the bracket, Group C and D, but that group was still not fair to them, but props to them for having fun with it, even while getting completely stomped. Because if I lost a game of Valorant 13-0, and then lost another game of Valorant 13-0, I would tilt off the face of the earth. I would be in a horrible mood for at least the next 10 hours. (laughs) Like, getting stomped that hard... And still just running with it in like knife fight in in round 13. Like that's just ridiculous and I love it and I appreciate them very much for it. Because they knew they were going to get stomped anyway. But they still did it to have fun. And I still want more Riot and wrestling crossovers. (laughs) That League of Legends matchup before Survivor Series 2018 was incredible. They need to do it again. Even if the rematch is in Valorant, I don't care. Do it again. (laughs) That was so much fun. Like, please, Riot, WWE, please let that happen again. Please. That would be incredible. But that's what I've got for... The weirdness that was the Twitch Rivals Valorant launch tournament. Got one more segment left in the show, and it's baseball being incredibly stupid. So, we'll get into that next, here on The Mashup. Well, as it turns out, baseball is not the final segment, because Overwatch League drops some news. We'll get into that next. But, I do want to talk about baseball real quick, being stupid. They continue to shoot themselves in the foot repeatedly because the owners just refuse to budge on this insane pay cut they want the players to take. And I don't know why they're refusing to budge, but they are. You guys are multi-billionaires you can afford to pay them prorated salaries that you agreed to for the number of games that they are going to play. You can't just keep changing the pay scale and changing the number of games to make it even out to basically the same amount of money and expect the union to take it because major league baseball made a new offer today and the union considered it insulting And a step back in negotiations. So, uh, I don't think we're going to have baseball this year. I legitimately don't think there will be a baseball season this year. Hockey and basketball are going to finish. By all accounts, the NFL and college football are going to start on time. And so will college basketball. And then the NHL and NBA will start again in December. All of that, nope, no baseball. You should have been the first ones back. Because in Korea, baseball was the first one back. I mean, sure, they probably don't play a whole lot of hockey over there. But Korean baseball was the first one back. Congratulations, baseball. You have once again out-baseballed yourself. You are so stuck in the past and so high on your own superiority that you really don't have anymore. The NBA over the past couple years has been catching up to you. Like, sure, you're number two. And you've been number two since about the early 80s, probably. Maybe even the late 70s. So you've been number two for about, I'd say, just a hair over 40 years. You might not be number two much longer. Because... Basketball is going to catch you. And hockey's going to gain ground on you. Like, you could be number three already. Just based on attendance numbers, you might be. You just have the advantage of, for most of your season, being the only show in town. Like, basketball may have already passed you. And if you don't play a season this year, hockey's going to start gaining ground. So keep shooting yourselves in the foot, Major League Baseball, because the other sports are coming for you. You can't just keep offering the same deal repackaged to look different when the union can probably do math. I'm not very good at math, but the union probably has people who are good at math that just say, yeah, these are the same numbers, they just look different. Like, these are different numbers, but this is the same offer. Like, oh, you say you're going to pay 75% of their salary for these games, but it's still the same number as 50% for these games. Like, figure it out! (laughs) Or like, oh, you get your full salaries, but you play a season that is basically meaningless when compared to a normal season of Major League Baseball. Stop with with the stupid negotiation tactics and just someone come up with a real offer that meets in the middle. One of the offers was 82 and 114. I've said it on the show before. There's a pretty good number right in the middle there. It's not exactly in the middle of those two numbers, but it may as well be. Because exactly in the middle of those two numbers would be 98. Which is just weird. Round up and play 100. Get it together, baseball. You probably should have been back already. You probably should have started your season at the beginning of June. Like, yeah, maybe not. But you probably could have... You probably could be back in spring training too already. And starting the season in, say, three weeks. Two, three weeks. Like, that's what you should be doing right now. Like, we should be about two weeks away from the start of the season. Not seriously considering if there's even going to be a season. You guys are screwed. Like, you're in deep, deep trouble. And I don't even know if starting the season is going to help. Because a lot of people are starting to turn. A lot of people are starting to turn on you. And it's your own fault. It is 100% your own fault. I mean, baseball as a league needed to eat a slice of humble pie anyway. Like, they really needed to. But I didn't want it to happen like this. (laughs) Where they're going to lose an entire season, mostly thanks to their own stupidity. And I don't like it. But I think we all kind of knew it was coming. But that's what I've got for baseball. We'll uh, get into that Overwatch League announcement and then wrap up the show up next here on the mashup. All right. I did not expect to have a fourth segment on this show. But while I was recording, the Overwatch League dropped some news. And for the most part, this is all really good. This is all really, really good because we knew they were coming back this week and everyone kind of assumed that they were going to switch to this tournament format because it was so much better than what they were doing previously. And they're not doing the full COD League tournament structure, which I kind of hoped for. And I hope they, I still hope they switch to that next season because... That's just a a better way to run a roadshow league like this, where you do tournaments every weekend. Like, have a big block of games on Saturday, big block of games on Sunday, and they are all leading to something. And then you have a playoffs at the end of the year of all the best teams. So I hope they take that advice to heart and switch to the Cod League format for next season. But for the rest of this season, there are going to be two more summer tournaments, and then just the last two weeks of the regular season, they're going to go back to just normal matches. So it's basically... The Summer Showdown, as it's called, is basically just the same exact format as the May Melee. Three weeks of qualifiers to seed the two regional brackets, and then you go from there. And I really like it. I think this is a much better way to do things. And I'm glad Overwatch League listened to their fans and the fact that we all really enjoyed the May Melee and that we all really hate hero pools. And they have taken that advice to heart. And they've got a schedule for the next three weeks worth of games, which is also nice. And I'm I'm very glad that they are making changes. Because I like Overwatch. I don't want it to be in the state that it's in. Like, I really enjoy this game. And it sucks to see that it kind of fell so hard heading into... Like, going through most of last season. Because... I mean... Like... Yeah, it was, uh, it was not pretty last season. <laughs> and after uh, the cancellation of all the homestands, this season was pretty rough too. And then you had everyone quitting, and it was just not pretty. But I think this will be a welcome change to the format. And the big thing is hero pools aren't completely gone. They're not completely getting rid of them, but they're going to only be two weeks now which good you'll have two weeks of hero pools and then for week three of qualifiers and the tournament itself no hero pool then the same thing after for the august tournament three weeks of qualifiers two of them have hero pools one of them doesn't and then the tournament itself doesn't and then the last two weeks of the regular season is one more hero pool and then the playoffs much like all these tournaments won't So, good for you, Overwatch League. You may have just saved yourself with this idea. Like, this could be the thing that saves you as a league. I hope you either keep this format or, like I said, switch to the COD League format for next season. Because both of them are a lot better than what you were doing previously when the matches kind of felt like they didn't mean anything. I mean, if homestands were still happening, I think the matches would feel more important because people would, all 20 teams, would be able to play each other rather than this weird asymmetrical 13-7 and 7 thing we've got going on between North America and Asia. And, you know, if all this other stuff hadn't happened, the Vancouver Titans wouldn't have completely blown up. Yeah, the, this league would be... Sinatra may not have retired in the middle of the season. The league would probably be in a lot better shape, but that was beyond their control. So I can't say too much. But I am just glad they're doing the regional tournament thing again because let's be honest, it is so much better than just those random matches that didn't mean anything. And hopefully for the playoffs, all 20 teams will be able to compete with each other. It seems like, based on the release, that's the plan. Like, let me, uh, let's find this. The, uh, the season ahead. After the summer showdown, there will be a final format, final tournament in August in a similar format with qualifier matches and bracket play in Asia and North America. Then we'll spend a few weeks balancing the total number of regular season matches, excluding matches in tournament. In tournament weekends, played for all teams to 21. Following that, we'll start the playoffs. We'll release additional details about the next tournament and the postseason as soon as they're available, meaning that last tournament could be just one global 20 team tournament. I'm not counting on that because, I mean, at that point, that's basically just the playoffs. But. I could see a world where maybe by August it is safe for the Asian teams to travel to the U.S. and play here and possibly play on land. I don't necessarily know where they do it, but there's a very real possibility that it could happen. And I would like that to happen and then they just spend the last two weeks getting everybody to the same number of games and then you determine the playoffs from there. I like that because I mean the Chinese teams lost a good chunk of their games from the beginning of the season because they just weren't playing. Remember that where 6 of the team of the league's 20 teams just weren't playing? That was a thing that happened. <laughs> or 5 cuz uh cuz Soul was playing or five of the league's 20 teams just weren't playing and everyone else was. Like that was a weird time at the very beginning of the season. But overall, I really like this move by Overwatch League. I think it will be what saves them. Like I've said, they needed to figure something like this out and I think doing two-week hero pools rather than is a good compromise. I mean, sure, I would like them to be gone completely, but doing them for two weeks on, two weeks off is also pretty good. Because you get a week of qualifier matches without them, and you get two weeks to play in this hero pool rather than you play two games and then the meta completely changes on you. (laughs) And speaking of the hero pool for the next two weeks, it is Echo, Sombra, Diva, and Brig. You can still have some fun with this pool. I hate that Echo's not in it because I loved the uh, the really aggro play that, that Echo brought to the game, but since she's kind of shifted the meta to play more aggro again, I think you'll see a lot more people playing like that. Like Even without D.Va, I think you'll see a whole lot of Winston because without Brag, Winston's still viable. <laughs> Because he won't get shield bashed every time he jumps into the middle of a of a big team fight. Like Winston's still viable. I don't know how we might still see a lot of Ash because I mean Bob do something is great. Like this is gonna be fun. I am I am looking forward to the matches this weekend and just looking at the the schedule. For the North American set. The games aren't amazing, but we can get some fun out of them. I'll have I'll have the full preview on Friday's show because that's just what I do, but we'll get some good matchups out of this weekend. I think we'll get some very good matchups next weekend. Oh, boy. Other than maybe Boston versus Philly, that's going to... Kind of (laughs) suck. Now, you can... We'll have some fun with this. And... Oh, man. (laughs) The matchup we've all been waiting for comes... uh, In Week 21. It's the last match of the weekend for Week 21. It is the Philadelphia Fusion versus San Francisco Shock. That comes on June 28th. Circle that one on your calendar. Because... I don't care what happened in the May melee with Florida. That right there is a finals preview. That is a grand finals preview. I'm calling it right now. I know I called it three weeks ago, but I am calling it right now that that right there is a grand finals preview. But that's what I've got for Overwatch League and for today's show. Hope you all enjoyed. Hope you all enjoyed your weekend. Hope you all enjoy the rest of your week. I will talk to you on Friday. See you then.